Sorry. Oh, whoa. All right. Hey, it's great to see you guys out there tonight, all you new folks especially, and old folks. Uh, my name is Chris Garriott, and uh, if I haven't met you, I hope to. Uh, I'm the campus minister with RUF. It's called Reformed University Fellowship. What's that mean? What's that reformed? What is that? It's simply biblical Christianity. Um, it, we believe in the Bible. We believe in Jesus. We believe that um, what we're going to do tonight has lasting importance. In fact, eternal importance. And so, um, anyway, but we're really glad you're here. So wherever you are on the spectrum of faith, whether or not this is like the first Christian meeting you ever came to, we're just really glad you're here. Whether you've been to church your whole life and you know all the Bible stories, we're glad you're here. We're a place for, for anybody. We're a place for people with questions, people that are skeptical, but they're curious and uh, we're a place where you can get together with me. And I want to introduce Anna Catherine over there. Stand up, Anna Catherine Sedlock. Anna Catherine's the RUF intern. And so we are literally here to take you to lunch, okay? In fact, we got a special treat tonight uh, after this is over. So look out. Um, there's, some, there's, some, there's a uh, quite awesome snack back there. Uh, it's hidden, hidden away. Um, but anyway, so I'm actually starting my 10th year here at the University of Maryland. So basically, yeah, it's crazy. So basically, I am, I've graduated twice, and now I'm getting ready to be a junior, I guess. Is that, is that who I am? Uh, or no, sophomore. I'm sorry. See, I can't even add. Uh, I used to be an engineer, too. That's kind of crazy. Um, but this, this semester, we're going to be dealing with this interesting topic right here relationships a mess worth making and uh and you know recently i watched uh some clips of the classic movie the wizard of oz i'm assuming everybody in here has seen the wizard of oz yes okay or at least kind of know the idea and uh in fact go, go to that and uh um there they are so you know um all of them have a need all of them have a need. Dorothy, I just want to go home. I want to get back to Kansas, right? Um, the scarecrow, what's he want? I want, a, I want a brain, okay, so I can think, right? Uh, how about the cowardly lion? He wants courage. Courage, okay? And, uh, and then, then we have the, the tin man, okay? And he wants a heart, right? If he could only have a heart, if he could only feel, if he could only love, okay, if he could just share some emotions. And one of my favorite bands, kind of a folky country band, the Avett Brothers. I don't know if anybody's familiar with that. They wrote a song based on the Tin Man, and the and the phrase goes like this: um, "You can't be like me, but be happy that you can't. I see pain, but I don't feel it. I'm like the old Tin Man." I'm as warm as a stone. I keep it steady as I can. I see pain, but I don't feel it. I'm like the old tin man. And then the chorus is, I miss it, I miss it. Oh, I miss that feeling of feeling. He want, they want to feel the tin man. And so tonight we're, we're at the very beginning of our relationship series. Okay, And um, before we talk about things like dating, things like uh, relationships, romance, marriage, we want to talk originally about this fundamental idea of love. Can you love? Do you have the capacity to love? 
Some people think that, you know what, everybody can love. You're just born with that capacity. You can do it. It's natural. In fact, a lot of people look at uh, relationships and they follow their heart, ultimately. And they think, wow, if I just have that amazing feeling for that person, that's all it's going to take. And this is what Hollywood films pretty much have been pumping out forever, that you just have to feel it. And as long as you feel it, and she or he is the right one. Everything is just going to work. And everything is just going to be fine. And you're going to be happily ever after. And, you know, cue the, the credits. Okay? And But when we look at the Bible and we look at reality, uh, what we see is, is love is hard. And it's hard to love. And what we find is that in the dead center of our hearts, our hearts are inward. We like ourselves. And we like to serve ourselves. And so when you put two people in any kind of relationship, there's usually rocky parts. It, usually, it might start out really on fire. But as time goes, you begin to see the warts and see the hard spots and see all of the problems. And so before we get into kind of that whole thing of romance, and I've kind of touched on it already, um, you know, the Bible tells us something. The Bible is a very real book. It doesn't hold any punches. God tells it like it is. And the stories that you read in the Bible really tell it like it is. They really reveal these difficulties and these issues. And so, um, I think if you look in your own heart, as I look in mine, I find it very hard a lot of times to love my family well. Uh, I have a hard time loving uh, my friends well, my roommates. Uh, I have a hard time when they're leaving stuff all over the house. And uh, sometimes anger issues come out in me that you guys haven't seen uh, here maybe. Uh, maybe you have. Um, you know, but everywhere you go, you run into people, don't you? And some of you guys are just entering into the roommate scene, right? You just met your roommate, maybe you met him in orientation. And uh, maybe things are, you're in the honeymoon stage, okay? You're just getting to know this guy. The, the, room, is, the room is actually pretty clean, you know, maybe. Uh, but, you know, there's going to be friction. There's going to be tension. That is normal, okay? Uh, but the question is, do you have the capacity to love, okay? Um, do you have the capacity to love people that are really different than you? And I think that's what you'll find out. If you didn't pick your roommate, if you have no idea who they are, even if you did pick your roommate, you're going to find that, man, this person is really different to me. They really do some kind of crazy things that bother me. Uh, how come they don't, they, they don't ever go to bed? Or how come they wake me up when they come in? And, uh, and so <laughs> the question we have tonight is, can you love? And do you have the capacity to love? Do you, do you have the capacity to love people that are not like you? People that maybe aren't as educated as you. Or maybe people that are really, really educated. Maybe you have a hard time loving them. Maybe you have a hard time loving Democrats. Maybe you have a hard time loving Republicans. Maybe you have a hard time loving independents. Okay? Maybe you have a hard time loving people like Donald Trump. Uh, maybe you have a hard time um, loving people that are just different than you, different, different racially, different social economics. When you get down to it, it's hard to love people. It's hard to love people. Look at our society. Look at our culture. Look at our cities. Look at our neighborhoods. People tend to 
um, spread out. People tend to say, hey, I just want to be at peace. I don't want to really care or love for people, love people. What about people in the LGBT community? Uh, what about, what if Caitlyn Jenner just walked into this room? Could you love he or she? Seriously. Can you love people that are different than you? If I look at my own heart, I find that I'm a lot like the Tin Man. Okay? And so, we're here to struggle through this these relationships uh, together. And so we're going to look at a passage of Scripture where there's two different people that come together in this scene. Actually, there's three people. There's Jesus, there's a Pharisee who's a religious guy who has it all together, and then there's a woman of the night, basically a prostitute, that comes into this dinner party uninvited. And it is an amazing story of two different people and how they view one another and ultimately how they view Jesus. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 7. So if you go back to that passage, Dana, we'll read that. So hear God's Word. Um, what's that? Oh, okay. I'll just... Oh, I'm sorry. I'll just read it. Yeah, it's not It's not Genesis. That's fine. So this is a really interesting story. Here it goes. Um, one of the Pharisees... Okay, a Pharisee, just to give you an idea, is a religious leader... Um, One of the Pharisees asked him, Jesus, to eat with him. And he went into the, Jesus went into the Pharisee's house and he took his place at the table. And behold, a woman of this city, who was a sinner, when she leaned, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, so picture this scene, Jesus at at this table, and back in the day they had these like, Tables on the floor. Jesus is leaning out. His feet are out. And here comes this woman in. And she began to wet uh, his feet with her, her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner." And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, that's the Pharisee's name, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain money lender, here's the little story he gave, a little parable. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love them more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You've judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my feet with ointment, but she has anointed my feet Therefore I tell you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Okay, so... We're simply going to think about this idea that Jesus mentioned. It's Luke 7.47. It's 
Yeah. Um, we're simply going to look at this idea of uh, the capacity and power of love. Okay, uh, comes by being filled with God's love first. Okay, the capacity and the power to love another person and to love God comes from from God. Okay. Um, and so we're simply going to look at these two characters, kind of contrast them. So the first is the hard-hearted Pharisee or the tin man, I'm going to say, if he only had a heart. And so you might have noticed the problem as we read through this. He's having this dinner party, you know, which we might think, oh, this is great. He's, he's having this dinner party. I mean, he's, he's, he's being the host. He's having to use his own money. But what we see is it seems like he's have a, he has it all together on the outside, but inside he really can't love people. Um, and, you know, so he's there. And But I kind of think that he invites Jesus, as it said, to kind of test him. Is this really the Messiah? Is this really the prophet? And he comes at Jesus very much from a critical standpoint. And so, just for some background, Pharisees were basically these religious guys in the community that basically knew and, and loved the law of God, but they thought that it was in the, the, the obedience of the law of God, the Ten Commandments, and really 611 other commandments of the Old Testament. They felt like they could keep them. They felt that they had all the right answers, all the knowledge, and they felt by all of that, they were satisfying God and that they were righteous with God and they were good with God. And what we find is all through the New Testament, Jesus gets into all these arguments with them because they totally missed it. They were religious on the one hand. They loved the law of God. They tried to obey it. But they missed the fact that the law was saying to them that they can't truly keep it. The law was saying you can't truly love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And here's the example. Here's this woman off the street that he is critiquing. Here's Jesus coming in and he's critiquing him and judging him. And they miss Jesus. So you see it in here. What's this lack of love look like? <laughs> well, he doesn't serve Jesus at all. Jesus actually sums it up. He's not hospitable. Verse 44, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. That was... That was just common courtesy back then. If a guest came in, there would be water to wash their feet off. I mean, you know, it was like they were walking in dust and sewage and everything else with sandals on or bare feet. Uh, he says, hey, um, she's wiped, she's actually wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she is not cease to kiss my feet. He didn't have the capacity to do the normal things like shaking hands. Okay? He was standoffish. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Okay? So in all of these things, he's standoffish, he's selfish, he's into himself, and ultimately, he's judgmental. In verse 39, he said to himself, if this man, if Jesus knew, um, if, if he were really a prophet... He would know who and what sort of woman this is who is touching, for she is a sinner. Okay, so his whole mindset is judgment. His whole mindset is, I've got it all together. I'm judging everyone else. And so we're putting this 
Pharisee, this religious guy, under the MRI, so to speak, and we're looking at his heart. And basically what we're seeing is he's got a stony heart. Do you have that picture on there? By any chance? Um, I can do this. Boom. Um, Whoa. Yeah. He's got a heart of stone. Okay? Um, It's rock hard. It's cold. He has it all together. And everybody else out there needs to live up to him. And he's been living like this for a while. And his heart is really hard. Really stone. Really cold. And C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Four Loves, he talks about romance and friendship, love, and all these things. And here's what he says. He says, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries and avoid all the entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. C.S. Lewis has an amazing way to capture words and ideas. Um, when I read that, I was like, oh, that's like that's convicting. It's convicting to me. I think it's probably convicting to you because we tend to want to protect ourselves. We tend to say, I'm not going to risk. We tend to say, if I can just have my controlled life. And that's what the Pharisees were all about. Hey, we figured out God. We figured out the law. We figured out... We're, we're upstanding individuals. We have money. The Pharisees were ultimately rich. Jesus actually condemns them time and time again for the fact that they loved money. They didn't love people. So he never risks. He never puts himself out there. And his heart just gets harder and harder. And so the first question here is, like, do you see that in yourself? Do you see a hard heart? Do you see your own sin, so to speak? Do you see that you're basically uh, turned into yourself? Martin Luther the great theologian said that sin is the inward bent. It basically just says, hey, I'm selfish. I don't care about God. I care about myself. I don't care about people. I'm just building my little kingdom. And so when you do that, your heart just gets more and more hard. Uh, and when I was uh, in college, I was doing this thing called Young Life. It's a, it's a campus ministry to high school kids and some of you might have heard this story, but I was on this retreat and I was a leader of these kids. And we were playing this big game in the field and I had my cabin, all my kids from my, my camp, my cabin were with me. And we were playing sharks and minnows in a field. Okay, you guys ever play this, you know? So picture like 200 people back and forth and there's a few leaders in the middle and the program director was in the middle, like the main guy. And I told my cabin, I said, man, wouldn't it be fun if we all just went out and just tackled him and dogpiled him? This is going to be awesome. Let's do it. This is going to be fun. I'm like just thinking, let's, let's make a show of this. So, we, we, you know, the whistle blows. We run out there. And next thing you know, all my, all my camper counselor kids are just running to the other side. And I am face-to-face with the guy, and he just body slams me, takes me down. I was so ticked. So in front of 200 people... Like the first guy tackled is me because I was going to go try to tackle him. And when I saw them go, it's like I lost like my composure and I was just standing there like a dummy and he just nailed me. 
And so I was like so mad in that instant. I had so much hatred in my heart. I turned around, took two steps and turned around and then tackled him. Okay? I mean hard on the ground. Okay? I felt horrible. All weekend I had to live with this. I apologize. But man, all weekend I'm just... I'm a leader and people are like, you're that guy that tackled the dude, the program director. It's like... I was coming face to face. What was going on in my heart was I wanted to I wanted to uh, make myself known. I wanted to do something funny to make myself known with my kids in my in my cabin. I and at the same time, like I all this anger and because I got competitive nature and everything came out of me. And you know, I tackled this guy and I just felt shame. I felt guilt. Have you experienced that? That's actually a good thing to experience. Because when you do that, you see that your heart is hard. That like really deep down, you don't really love people. You're just looking in it for yourself to make yourself look good. That's what the Pharisees were doing. And when you do that, you can't really love people. You can't really love God. Because loving God, loving people comes with humility. You have to be broken. You have to like say, ah, oh, I'm a big sinner. But God, you've given me so much grace. You've loved me even in my sin, even in my shame, even in my guilt. And so, and that's what happened with the woman. Look at this. The woman had this incredible heart of flesh, this soft heart. And as you read through the, this, um, there's so much that she does that says she has been touched by the grace of God and forgiveness. 37, And behold, a woman of the city was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet and her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head and kiss his feet. Her heart had been touched by Jesus. It's, prob- it's probable that she saw and heard Jesus on the streets of Jerusalem preaching about his love, preaching about his grace, preaching about his forgiveness, preaching that anybody can come to me. Anyone who believes can have life. I'm the bread of life. Come and eat. I'm the water of life. Come and have a drink. And she found forgiveness. She found grace. And now, all she wants to do is go and be with Jesus. And so we see this amazing heart that loved God. She risks. Okay, she breaks any barrier. She goes to the... She was probably living, you know, uh, in... In a, in a part of town that you wouldn't want to go to. It was the night district. She was a prostitute, most likely. She comes to the rich guy's area, uninvited, and goes into his house for this party. That's a lot of risk. Why? Because she loved Jesus so much because of what, she, what he had done. She worships extravagantly. She's got this alabaster jar, and that was basically a woman's retirement. This perfume. This stone that they would put on their neck. She breaks it and, and uh, anoints his feet. She was authentic. She's weeping profusely. She's un, she has uncontrolled emotions because she's so ultimately sorry for her sin and also joyful that Jesus has forgiven her. It's an intimate worship. She lets her hair down. Women in that culture would only do that for their husband. Here she's drying Jesus' feet with her hair. Okay? Something is different about her compared to the Pharisee. She is broken. She loves. 
And she loves because she understood the power of the gospel. Um, a friend of mine who's a minister um, told the story about this woman in her church. Um, and she couldn't look him in the eye. And she would come to the church because she kept hearing the gospel, but there was a barrier. And finally she sat down with him and, and told my friend that the way she put herself through college was she was a stripper at a truck stop on the interstate. And she was so guilty, so full of shame, but she kept coming. She kept coming and hearing about Jesus' love for sinners. It doesn't matter what you do. Jesus forgives. Jesus' grace is for you. And, and she caught it. And she accepted Jesus. She believed in the gospel of grace. And uh, now she's married. You know, she's... Um, I don't know if she's still at that church, but she want, she married a wonderful Christian man. She's living for Jesus. question is, where do you get love for that like that? That only comes when you know that something, someone has forgiven you of your deep sins. And so, and that's the power to change a heart. If you really want to love, you have to have a changed heart. You have to have a heart that's been touched by God. And so, that's what Jesus says in this parable. You know, he talks about these two debtors. You know, one owed, uh, what was it, 500 denarii, which is like two years, basically, of work, compared to another guy who owed, owed like two months worth of salary. So I don't know what that would be, maybe 80,000 or I don't know, to compared to like like 5,000 or something. And so he asked, well, who's going to love the moneylender more? And, and Simon said, the one who had the more debt. And, and he said, basically, you know, he who has been forgiven much loves much. He who has been forgiven little loves little. So the question is, can you see your sin? Now, who was the bigger sinner in this passage? Who was the bigger sinner? Well, I, I think it was Simon the Pharisee. I think it was Simon. We all think, oh, it's the prostitute. Let me sleeping around, like, you know, using her body to make money. But think about the Pharisee. He was he grew up basically in the church his whole life. You know, he had it all together. He had all his money. He had, you know, Jesus, who was like the pop culture icon in his house. But he totally missed Jesus. He totally is critiquing Jesus. He's a Pharisee. He missed it. The gospel of grace is for both types of people. <laughs> people that feel like, oh, I'm worthless. I've done so many things. And people that think, oh, I'm really all together. The self-righteous people. Both people need one answer. They need their heart changed by the gospel of grace. And it's only in the gospel. And so what is the gospel? Well, it's kind of this story backwards. It's who Jesus is. Jesus is the money lender. He's God Almighty. He's the one who created everything. Okay, He gave you everything that you are. He created you. He knows you. He loves you. We sinned against Him. We have this huge debt of sin. We said, hey, I want to do it my way. I want to worship other things. Jesus leaves heaven as the money lender and says, I know you've totally blown it. I'm going to cancel your debt. Why? How? I'm going to go to the cross for you. I'm going to take your debt upon Myself. That's what the Gospel is. That's what the good news is, is that Jesus takes our sin for us. And then He gives us all His goodness and righteousness, makes us sons and daughters. And so that's what we're about with RUF. That's what we're about. This, this idea of the free grace of the Gospel, that anybody from anywhere can taste this amazing gift of grace, the Gospel, and be set free and be totally changed and be a person with a soft heart, be a person who can love. 
A person who has the capacity to love because you've been loved by God. Because basically what happens in relationships is you're going to get hurt. You're going to see your own sin. You're going to see the sin of the other person. And you're going to want to leave. You're going to want to not stick it out. And you have to have this capacity to love. And it doesn't come from you. It comes from saying, you know what? Jesus, I am a big sinner. And guess what? Jesus forgave me on the cross. And because of that, I can forgive you for what you did against me or whatever. See, that's the power. It goes with saying, I've got another capacity. It's the power of love in Jesus. And so there's a great promise in Ezekiel. God says this to close. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. You see, to turn it around, if you remember the end of the Wizard of Oz, what did they find with the wizard when they finally got to, uh, to Oz, the Emerald City? It was a little old man with levers behind a, a curtain, right? With a big voice and loudspeakers. He couldn't do anything, really. He gives the tin man a heart with a little clock on it that ticks. He says, here you go. He gives the, he gives the uh, scarecrow a diploma. There you go, you're smart, right? He couldn't really deliver. But Jesus delivers. Jesus is God who comes down, God Almighty, who totally delivers on the cross. Death, resurrection for you and for me. So that's what we talk about at RUF. So we always come back to that idea. Um, so glad you're here. Let me pray, and then we're going to sing a song. And then we've got ice cream sundaes back there, okay, to make in that chest. So let me pray. God, thanks for tonight. Thank you that uh, you are the one who um, loved sinners like Simon the Pharisee and like uh, the woman of the night. And, Father, you're the one that can change our hard hearts as well. And so, Lord, help us to think about that, understand that more. Um, thank you for everybody that's here. Bless them, Lord. Especially the freshmen who are just getting used to everything around here. Pray that you really encourage them in their classes and just that they would have a great year. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen.